Welcome to the Influency Podcast. I'm Hadar, and this is episode number 329. And today we are going to have a beautiful conversation with Luke from Luke's English Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Hadar. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have an exciting episode for you because today I get to interview Luke from Luke's English Podcast. And he is such a fun guy and so interesting. This was one of my favorite conversations to record. So Luke, if you don't know him, has a podcast called Luke's English Podcast. And he published over 800 episodes about storytelling and humor and English lessons and conversations. And it is so rich and interesting and accessible for learners of English and for anyone who is interested in speaking about learning a second language. Luke is also a stand-up comedian. And to me, by the way, that is the bravest thing to do to be a stand-up comedian. Uh, but this is also why he incorporates a lot of humor into his work and into his interviews, because we have had a few laughs together as well. So I'm super thrilled to introduce you to Luke. If you don't know him just yet, I'm going to post the link to his podcast and his YouTube channel. By the way, there is another interview with me on his channel that is going to be published at the same time. So go check it out and be sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel and podcast. All right, my friends, let's go ahead and listen to our interview. Hi, Luke. Hello, Hadar. Hi, very nice to be speaking to you. How are you? I'm thrilled to have you here. I've been following your podcast for a while and it is uh, so exciting to have this time to talk to you and learn more about you and also to tell our audience about you and a bit more of the side that they are not aware of, which is the person behind the voice. So hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. I've been having a look at your videos as well, and I'm going to interview you as well for my show after we've had this conversation. So I'm very curious to kind of find out lots of things from you, from you and basically just get all of your language learning secrets in one single video for my show, just like just steal all of your know how. Absolutely possible in under 10 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah, no, not possible. <laughs> 60 seconds. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, for those of you watching, we are going to have an episode on Luke's podcast and YouTube channel. So we will share all the links later on for you guys to be able to watch it on his channel. All right, Luke. Yes. I actually have, I want you to introduce yourself like you usually do in an interview, but before that, um, mm -hmm. Sergey from my team, he is an avid listener of your podcast and he said that you have a, a Russian joke that you like oh, to gosh. tell and <laughs> I am going to ask you to get started with that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sergey, what, what are you doing to me? Okay. So it's not a joke that I tell again and again. In fact, quite the opposite. It's a joke that I, I told once. And then, I, and then I told a friend of mine on the show, and it's a joke that I did once on stage and people didn't understand. And then every single time I explain it, 
more new people don't understand it and they ask me to explain it again and then when i explain it again there's a whole fresh new group of people who don't understand it so i'm basically stuck in a sort of weird loop of explaining people misunderstanding and me re-explaining some people completely misunderstand it like at a really high level of misunderstanding so i'll tell you the story as briefly as i can Right. Okay. I'll try to concentrate and be on my like, uh, like turn it's... on my joke radar because I'm a knock knock joke kind of person. So you might have to explain the joke t to me as well. This is really that kind of joke. That's the thing. It's really not clever. It's just okay. a word joke. It's just a pun. And there's no other sophisticated level of like extra meaning. So <laughs> So I do stand up as well, as well as doing um, my podcast and teaching English, I do stand up as well. So a few years ago, I was on stage at the beginning of a show with a friend of mine. And uh, he was at the back of the room, I was on first. And you know, it's typical in stand up at the beginning of the show, you do crowd work, you kind of speak to the audience. Now I live in France, and, and often at shows that I do in English, you get French people, you get people from different countries coming in because it's in English. So at the beginning of the show, I was doing the typical stuff of like, oh, where are you from? You know, blah, blah, blah. What do you do? Oh, you know, you, 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 why did you come here for work? Oh, good. I'm glad someone works here. You know, the usual stuff. <laughs> and um, a couple of people came in late. And, uh, and I sort of, you know, had to deal with that. And I said, oh, you know, you're a bit late. Anyway, come in. Where are you from? And they said, we're Russian. And I said, well, you weren't Russian to come here, were you? Hey everyone, it's Hadari. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have an exciting. Now I'm very glad that you got it right. That's today, it. That's the joke. I get to yeah? interview. Now I, I said. I told you, I, I get silly jokes. I love silly jo language jokes. It's a. Yeah, exactly. It's just a language joke because rushing, meaning being in a hurry, and Russian, they sound very similar, right? Right. So I said that, and I was quite pleased with myself. You know that I came up with it on the spot. A good one. You know, and I thought that oh, quite good. No one in the room got the joke. It was just. <sighs> tumbleweeds blew across the stage you know and i thought to myself right okay in a situation like this you can either just carry on or sometimes it's fun to kind of flag up the fact that you did a joke and no one in the room understood it because they're probably trying to understand it in a second language and sometimes that's funny yeah so i said oh uh i, I just told a very funny joke and uh, you missed it let me just uh, run that by you again so they came in late and i said where are you from and they said we're russian i said well you weren't russian to come here were you because <clears throat> you're late zero nothing from the audience they were just like waiting for the show to begin kind of thing and meanwhile my friend paul was at the back of the room completely in stitches falling off his chair so then I told, then Paul and I were on the podcast with our friend Amber. We're, we're often on the show together. And Paul said, Oh my God, you should, Amber, you've got to hear about what happened to Luke on stage. It's hilarious. So we talked, we explained to Amber what happened. She had a good laugh about it. And then I got comments, comments in my comment section saying, I didn't understand the Russian joke. What did you, what did he say about Russian people? Can you explain? And I was like, oh, and so I did explain it again, you know, responding to those comments. And then, as I said before, I got new comments from people who didn't understand. And so I created a YouTube video just explaining the joke. And then, of course, in the comments section of the YouTube video, there's comments. And even one person said, I think the problem here is that for, for Russian people, the word rushing and Russian sound the same. And I was like, Which, that's not the problem. That's the joke. <laughs> it's not a problem. 
<laughs> that's the whole point. I even got an email from one person who was like, what are you, who completely got the wrong end of the stick and thought I was making some critical statement about Russian people. And I was like, no, no, I'm not into that. No, 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 you misunderstood. And she was so mortified when I told her, no, no, it's just a word joke. That's it. I think that when it comes to humor, and I have a lot more questions about that, because I know that you use humor mm -hmm. a lot in your teaching and in your life. Uh, I think this is such a pain point. Like you explained, first of all, understanding humor, especially language related. So that's one thing. And another thing, being able to use humor when speaking, which is a big part, like I, especially people who like to use humor in their first language and they feel like it doesn't translate um, or they don't know how to use and there are like there is the cultural nuance or language related nuances. Um, mm. So if humor for those of you watching is um, a pain point for you, then we will definitely discuss this more. But Luke, please tell us about you and your work for those who don't know you. So, uh, yeah, I'm an English teacher. I'm from the UK um, and uh, I've been teaching English for over 20 years. And then 14 years ago, around the same time, I think that you started making content. Uh, I started a podcast for learners of English and I used all my uh, creative skills to come up with a name for it and ended up with Luke's English podcast. Uh, I think it's so good. I th it's very direct and you know what it is. It does exactly, you know, it does what it says on the tin, you know. So, yeah, and in my episodes, um, I use my teaching skills. I also try to include, as you said, some humor in there. And I cast my net very wide in terms of topics and things that I do. I like to do all possible things in my episodes. And the main aim is to essentially let uh, learners of English around the world listen to more English long term on a regular basis. And I try to help people to connect with English regularly. And, uh, you know, I use humor to do that, you know, but I can't help it. You know, it's not really a conscious decision. Like I will use humor. It just kind of happens. And um, and so, yeah, and I've been doing that now for 14 years and still going. And and these days, more recently, I've been doing more YouTube stuff as well, just sort of video myself while recording episodes. Is there so a difference when you feel that the camera is on? Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel less comfortable. Yeah, like I'm less pretty self-conscious. Mm. Yeah, like the way I've described it is like the camera is like HAL 9000 in the film 2001, A Space Odyssey, this kind of unblinking uh, lens just looking at you. And it's it's pretty weird, like in, in, in classrooms and on stage in stand up, it's a different thing because you can see people and you get to gauge people's reactions. You can kind of interact with them, you know, and stuff like that. But with the camera, it's 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 a, it's a slightly harder thing. I'm getting used to it. Um, yeah. But that's one of the reasons I liked audio in the beginning, and I still do, is that, yeah, you don't have that self-conscious element. And and when you're on video, you know that people are kind of judging your appearance, mm. you know, and like thinking, yeah. you know, and you see that, you know, people write comments about, oh, you know, I think you should shave your beard. Or then another person, after I've people shaved, they're always like, have something bring back to your say. beard. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, okay. So that, that's, hard that's to please a little everyone, bit off-putting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You shouldn't try to please everyone. You can't please all the people all the time. Um, and, you know, that's not the that's not why my my facial hair exists anyway, right? It's not there to like, please. Hopefully. 
<laughs> I don't know why, actually. I don't know what the purpose is of facial hair. You know, why does I it? Know. I don't know. Maybe we need to speak to some evolutionary biologist or something who can explain <laughs> it. But I don't know. Why do, why do we have hair on our face? I don't know. I quite like it. I have some, I have some assumptions, but I'll keep them to myself. And, um, okay. uh, but, but I, I have to, I have to say that for me, the transition was different because I started with YouTube videos and then I transitioned to podcasting. Um, and for me, what was different is people said, oh, your podcast voice is so different from your YouTube voice. Um, mm -hmm. so for you, it was about your appearance. For me, it was about my voice. Cause I, when I speak to the camera, I have a tendency to project. So my voice is a little different. It's like I'm speaking in, in front of an audience and like on the podcast, when you're, it's just you and the mic, it feels like you're in a small room drinking wine with a friend, you know, it's very different. It's very nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's what that, again, another thing I love about audio is that kind of you're listening to a kind of radio show, a late night radio show. It's, <laughs> right. it's lovely to kind of get close to the microphone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun to play around with your voice. I like the, uh, you know, audio for me is like reading a book. Whereas, uh, well, I was going to say audio is like reading a book, but video is like watching a film that no, this comparison doesn't work, but there's something pleasant about audio. It lets, you can kind of let your mind wander. There's a bit more imagination on the, on the, yeah. on the, on the side of the listener. Whereas with video, the, the 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 audience have to just focus um you know they can't do something else uh, while they're listening right yeah i still love audio i think it's still my preferred medium yeah 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 um i also like there is something very intimate like i said between you know like knowing that you're in the earbuds of someone and it's yeah. not just like that visual experience um okay so Speaking of voice and not just your physical voice, but your voice as a podcaster, as an English teacher, you know, listening to your, mm. to your podcast episodes, it seems to me like you have a very direct and simple and organized way to communicate with your audience. And even when you do um, talk at the beginning and kind of like in, you know, I was listening to a particular uh, episode I'll talk about it in a second, where you said, like, this is a, a an unusual intro. I talk a little bit more than usual here. But still, to me, it felt very organized. So as a listener, you told me exactly, you navigated me through my thought pattern as to what to expect. And as a content creator, I know how important it is and also how challenging it is. And this is why I think people really enjoy your episodes. It's not just the content, it's also how you communicate that. Now, you've been doing this for 14 years, so I'm assuming it was not a natural thing at the beginning. So you had to learn how to speak specifically to your audience in a way that resonates with them in the best possible way. Can you talk to me a little bit about this process and what was working for you at the beginning and not working and what is working for you now? It's a really good really good question like really incisive question um i wonder i think because when i first started my podcast i had been teaching for eight nearly ten years and so i actually applied a lot of the things that i'd learned from being a teacher to the podcast and the, the things i'd been doing as a teacher you know they they were going quite well you know i felt like quite a successful uh, teacher in the sense that I felt like students enjoyed my lessons and things. And I sort of took that approach and applied it to the podcast. So in lessons, I would often start rather than just having a cold start to the lesson, 
there'd always be a, a sort of a softer start where you bring everyone into the the, the class uh, yeah. rather than starting with the language point at the beginning you kind of ask people how they are in, in the morning and maybe even tell a little story about something that happened that morning or, or something like that or just sort of do a bit of crowd work with the with the class and that sort of sets up the right atmosphere and then everyone's engaged and everyone's sort of involved right. and so I found that doing this a similar thing uh, on the podcast um, had the same effect so yeah 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 uh, I don't really know it's hard to say kind of consciously it's just sort of something I just feel that maybe maybe as a listener to other podcasts as well are kind of those are the things those are the moments I really enjoy when listening to other people's shows is that sense of that intimate relationship you get with the with the podcaster so I always try to kind of recreate that feeling and yeah I guess it sort of has has come naturally I mean there, there was a period where maybe I would ramble on too much in the introductions. so I've kind of I've I've kind of taken it as far as it will go in the sense of like going on and on and on without getting to the point just to bring people in and now I've kind of I've, I suppose refined it where I can kind of spend five minutes doing that kind of introduction and it it still it's maintains that level of organization but also is natural and uh, engaging as well yeah yeah because it seems to me like I know that when people are emotionally involved and usually that has to do with storytelling or with humor, two things that you um, talk about a lot in your teaching mm. and of course you include in your work, um, when people are emotionally engaged or they have a certain narrative that they follow, it's easier for them to learn ultimately. So I think a combination of all of that and, in, in, you know, I'm, I'm speaking about it because for the learners watching this, um, sometimes it feels like, no, this is not English. It's not like something that I should tune into. And I think that when you allow yourself to also include all that aspect of storytelling and all the behind the scenes and also yeah. getting connected emotionally to the person who teaches you, you're more likely to learn, not only enjoy it, but your brain will have a better capacity at actually retaining the information. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. When a person decides to, to learn English, they kind of, you know, whatever they go to classes or they start listening to content. And the first thing that's in their mind is learning English. So, you know, the, the whole thing is framed for them in the context of, uh, you know, um, feed me language, you know, kind of spoon feed me uh, language and um, explain to me what the language point is and all that sort of thing. But ultimately, you know, language is there to communicate ideas and feelings and to share uh, emotions and, and all that sort of thing. And um, arguably, you know, there, there's several ways to, to learn a language. You can learn it from the bottom up, which is where you learn the kind of mechanics of the language. You know, you learn the grammar and the, the phonology and the, you know, the vocabulary and stuff like that. You build it in that sense. But then another approach is to kind of just uh, focus on meaning and focus on message and uh, the language learning happens as a consequence. I think it's probably yeah. a combination of those two things that, that right. really works. But ultimately, yeah, if someone is emotionally engaged or you engage their curiosity or their sense of humor, then you're winning really because then there's a subconscious level of language learning happening. And there's also, it's feeding their motivation, which is perhaps the most important thing. Yes. Because, you know, motivation is basically what, 
is going to make sure that you spend more time with the language and you do it in a motivate in a in a sort of engaging way um you know I, you know that there's something in the formula of language learning that it's basically time and practice right but attitude is really important too and um positivity and in order to get enough time and practice in there, you need to be motivated. You need to actually want to do it. And it works best when you don't really, when you're not really counting the minutes or counting the time. Mm -hmm. And if it's just suddenly part of an enjoyable process, then that's great. Some some people might, you know, there's there's quite a lot of people out there who assume that language learning should be a difficult and sort of painful and punishing experience. I mean, it, it kind of is naturally to an extent in the way that we have to go out of our comfort zones and make mistakes and things. But um, it's quite refreshing, I guess, for a lot of people that language learning can be a fun and natural feeling thing. Yeah. I think it has to be. And I think like we've been conditioned to think that because that's how it has been, you know, in school mm. and you are being punished for mistakes and you lose grades and you're not developing according to the system. And I think that really messed us up as learners because ultimately mm. it, cre it created this um, good and bad paradigm where it's like either you do well and you don't make mistakes, then you succeed, or you actually get messy and you make mistakes and then you fail. That is the, the assumption. Yeah. And when you learn a language, it's impossible to get it perfect right away. It's impossible to get a perfect period as a speaker of a second language. But I think that because we have these ideas instilled in us, it is very hard to move away from it. And I think that content like yours, and I really focus on mindset as well, and I know a lot of other teachers really try to get people to change that perception. Because I believe that exactly like you, when there is suffering involved or the feeling of shame or humiliation, there is no learning. There is just um, resistance yeah. and avoidance. And yeah. that is not, it's not productive. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, academics have, have studied this and written about it, you know, about things called the affective filter, which is exactly as you said, that feeling of shame or self-consciousness or nervousness. And those things really block the acquisition of language. So finding ways to break that down is really important. And, um, you know, yeah, like telling a story or making people laugh, just important ways of yeah. doing that. Yeah. So speaking of things that we, uh, that is our responsibility as teachers to do and content mm, creators. Mm. So obviously to create a positive environment for our students to learn, but I noticed that when you create content, you also feel socially responsible for educating your audience. So it's not like you only deal with, um, English related content, you talk about social issues and political situations, like not always, but when something important happens, you address it. Now, as a content creator who is also, um, I also feel like I have a responsibility to address certain things and injustice or things that happen that I feel like I need to state my opinion and to take a stance. I know that it's dangerous because you are yeah. bound to get a lot of negative feedback and backlash. So I wanted to hear from you how that has been for you, because I know that you do touch some subjects that are like not English related. Uh, why is it important to you to do that? And how are you dealing with the outcome? It's, it's a bit of a struggle. But basically, my thinking is, so I've got a platform, I've got lots of people listening to me. And so to an extent, 
there is a sense of maybe I should use that for you know I, I should probably try to you know that th there's some level of responsibility maybe it's it's a tricky thing because I really don't know quite where I stand on it because every time I do an episode like that I feel very conflicted about it for example if I talk yeah. about you know like I think probably you're referring to the one where I talked about what's ha what's been happening in Iran mm-hmm um, and I, I've talked about other things in the past. Normally, I will talk about the UK, yeah. and I'll talk about British politics, and I'll be, you know, fairly opinionated about that. You know, I've done lots of episodes and about still, Brexit yeah. and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's generally safer to talk about your own country. And mm. I've said on my podcast before that. So if I t if I criticize the UK, people are just like eating popcorn. They're just loving it. Yeah, this is great. But as soon as I comment on another country people i don't know quite why but they don't most people are fine with it and they're great and they understand you know what, what i'm trying to do I mean, i'm not like a i'm not really that heavy-handed with it um but then there's always some people who just like don't know it doesn't sit right with them um so i yeah it's a really tricky thing but basically i kind of thought well since i've got a platform and i've got a lot of international listeners i feel like maybe i should try to uh, flag up situations but I feel very uncomfortable about it because there's always that sense that I may be getting things wrong and maybe I've I don't have the correct yeah. information and maybe I'm going to get a lot of pushback you know I don't like to receive uh, emails from people um, even politely worded ones but just criticism yeah it's it's difficult you know if it, I, I'm fairly sensitive person you know and uh, as a podcaster and creator, you know, I use that sensitivity to kind of create the right connection with my audience. Uh, but it's a double-edged sword in the sense that it, 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 I can be quite sensitive to people's responses. Um, and, be, you know, people online, they don't realize there's that filter, that online filter. Yeah. And they think that their comment is really nothing. It's just a drop in the ocean. But, you know, every single comment uh, has an impact. And yeah. for some reason, as human beings, we we do get affected by the negative things more more than the, yeah. more than the po the positive stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, great, 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 you know. But then one negative thing will bother you all day. It's very strange. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah so I, sometimes I'll talk about certain issues and things going on in the world just because I feel a sense of responsibility because I've got an audience. And also, people write to me. Like I had a lot of Iranian listeners contacting me and saying you know this is what's happening please can you tell the world that because the journalists aren't allowed to come in and comment on this and our internet is being completely blocked and controlled so use your voice to you know to 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 tell people what's going on so i thought right i'll i'll, I'll try and do that difficult i mean i, yeah, I did an I episode before about it and i i didn't publish it because i just felt wow. so uncomfortable about it and then i was like no i've got to do this so i don't know yeah, I think sometimes when you know the right side of things, according to your values and worldviews, um, I agree that sometimes it's a small price to pay. Not small, because we, we do get emotionally affected, but it's a small price to pay to show a large part of your audience that you stand with them, because I know how important it is for them. So mm. I think it's appreciated. Um, I, I appreciate it very much. And I do think that as English teachers representing so many people around the world, um, 
we do need to use our voice wisely. I don't see that happening enough, especially when there's like a lot of injustice in the world. Um, because of that fear yeah. and and it's it's tough it's hard it's funny you said that for you the easiest thing for you for you to talk about is your country for me that's the hardest thing i'm from israel and like no matter what like i have a very clear side that i that i um that i always share on social media and, and in my videos um but no matter what i share there will always be a backlash like i have to mentally and emotionally prepare for every single thing that i say or share and it's tough Yeah, that must be that must be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we live in complicated times. I mean, ultimately, all I'm trying to say, you know, it's like a pretty sort of basic thing is just like, let's just give peace a chance and peace and love, man. And, you know, let's just yeah. be nice to each other. And, and, uh, yeah. and it's very, that's, that's very sort of naive, maybe, but um, ultimately, that's all I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say. And, you know, there, there's so many times in the world, cases where you know people are being uh, persecuted or there's authoritarianism going on and you know uh, th that's that's that seems to me to be sort of poisonous and so yeah yeah that's all and and i, I think because i know that people who are going to watch it be watching this uh, within those people there are a lot of content creators and I, i think it's important that we talk about how we experience that negative criticism and ultimately that even though we get it and we're affected by it it doesn't stop us from pursuing our mission and sharing um hmm. what we believe in uh i think so also like i want to make sure that this is this is the message um that is important for me to send out and i think for you as well yeah yeah we yeah. have to just keep calm and carry on um okay so moving from tragic events around the world to comedy and humor. Uh, let's talk about that because I know that this okay. is a big part of your teaching. We talked about it at the beginning. Why is it so hard to use humor in a second language? Yeah, why is it hard to use humor in a second language and difficult to understand it? Often humor involves wordplay, of course, right? It uses very subtle wordplay to sort of say two things at the same time. I mean, like my Russian joke, rushing rushing russian you know and it's it's quite difficult to to a joke works when your brain suddenly understands two different meanings at the same time and your brain kind of goes you know and and laughter happens that's one that's one level when it's language related humor um and it's very sophisticated you need to be able to understand two things simultaneously And that, that's very difficult. That's often the last thing that you learn. But then there are other types of humor, um, which maybe are a little easier to, to do. And that's just about having a certain attitude and having a playful attitude and so on. That's usually a little easier. But yeah, doing humor in another language is difficult, mainly because it requires a lot of linguistic control. Mm. So naturally, and prosody, I would say, right? Like probably prosody, the intonation, the pace the pauses, something that you need to feel comfortable with and give yourself permission, which often doesn't happen. Like a lot of times when people speak, especially at a certain stage in their learning experience, where you just want to get the words out. And with comedy, mm. you know, how you kind of like lead to the joke and the pause and the length of the pause and the rhythm that is different between English and your first language, even between dialects of English, right? So I think that has to do yeah. with 
that confidence as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I live in France. And so French is a language that I struggle with, you know, it's a language I have to use. And, you know, it's, it's a different story in French, you know, I, I, I the, the, the person I want to be, which is this kind of relaxed, easygoing, funny person, someone who is basically funny all the time. And that's, that's not intentional. That's just kind of how I'm designed, you know, I think maybe it comes out of social awkwardness or wanting to put people at ease. And mm -hmm. so I'm always making fun and poking fun at, at reality, you know, that I see around mm -hmm. me. It's so hard to do that in French. You know, I'll wow. be making a joke. I'll be making a, I'll making comments that are supposed to be humorous. The, the purpose is to just make people laugh and relax around me, but people just don't notice. So, yeah. So is that a cultural thing or a linguistic thing? It's, um, it's a little bit of both. It's mostly a linguistic thing. I think mm. so. It, yeah, maybe people have got slightly different approaches to humor in different countries. So in the UK, I know we're not unique, but in the UK, humor is a huge part of our social life. And it's just right. a ever present thing. It's just constantly there. And people are always ready to interpret what you're saying as being intended to be funny, you know, and that's one that's a cultural thing I've noticed that some other cultures are not necessarily tuned into that kind of thing. Whereas in the UK, we can just be talking about virtually nothing. But the whole purpose of the conversation is to have a, a funny, lighthearted conversation, and mm. to be ironic. And it's, there's always a place for it, you know, in business meetings, in the lift, when you bump into your neighbor, you'll just say one or two funny comments. Um, and maybe other cultures are less prepared for that. I've maybe noticed that in France, you know, people sort of take what you're saying a bit more literally or something. Right. Irony is not that dominant in the language. Yeah. Perhaps, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just, mm. again, my lack of linguistic control or the language barrier, which just means that people aren't quite picking up on the codes. But yes, yeah, certainly a lot of it is about linguistic control in all the areas that we've mentioned, you know, yeah. like subtle shades of meaning in grammar, sentence structure, using the certain words, not just word jokes, but just, as you said, the way you pause, the way you set things up. So yeah, it's often the last thing that you learn, isn't it, as a language learner, you know, you kind I of think like so. build your English and then you can, you know, we use, we use language for different purposes. And some of those purposes are pretty straightforward, like making requests or, you know, complaining or persuading, but then making people laugh and being humorous is actually ext extremely sophisticated and quite mysterious thing. Yeah. And yeah, so and you really to need a, a level of confidence, like belief yes. in yourself and your ability beyond the linguistic as aspect or cultural knowledge, I think it's just giving yourself permission. Because it's so scary to tell a joke in your first language as well you know, from the example that you yeah. shared where you tell a joke and no one gets it. <laughs> like now you have to explain it. Um, so like people uh, avoid experiencing that in their first language. I think that in a second language, that's e even more the case. So what would you tell someone who wants to start including more humor or let's say work on their humor in English? What would you recommend? For them I, um, do? I don't know, really. I think that, um, so listen to lots of humorous stuff you know, learn the rhythms and cadences of of humor in English. So that means probably watch a lot of stand up, watch a lot of those sorts of uh, humorous panel shows, 
and things like that and just sort of mm. get the sense of what what tends to work and how humorous speech sound what it sounds like um and also adopt a certain attitude and for me the a humorous attitude is one that is uh, generous and one that is uh, designed to put everyone else at ease and is designed mm. to kind of make people enjoy themselves so think of it more as an attitude rather than as specific jokes you know or specific mm. sort of structures in language it's more just a general attitude which is to be light-hearted and not take things too seriously and to be generous as well i think oh. i think humor is about being generous it's about you know uh trying to please the people around you trying to entertain people and trying to kind of create a nice friendly uh atmosphere in which laughter is 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 common I think that's um, such a such good piece of advice because when you think about being funny you often think about yourself and your experience and I think mm. that shifting it to them making them feel good and lighthearted and everything that you just shared is a really good uh way of approaching this i think in speaking in general i always talk about it when you speak but definitely when you tell jokes i love that that's interesting because that that does relate to something i've sort of realized in doing from doing stand-up comedy and a kind of little rule of thumb that i've kind of developed to help you feel a bit better on stage is that you should try rather than trying to be getting laughs from the audience all the time you should be trying to give laughs to the audience mm. you know you shift the focus nice. away from you know um trying to get their approval or right. get laughter something like getting something for you instead you shift it to oh i'm here to provide laughter yeah you know and and then yeah. you feel a bit less bad if things don't quite work out because it's not that you haven't got something right you know you didn't receive something that you were trying to get from people instead it's just like you were offering something and they just didn't take it this time so mm. you know you can feel a little bit better about yourself if you think of it in that way and similarly maybe in social situations it's not about it's not all about you you know and if um if people don't get the jokes you're trying to make and stuff it's all right you know it's not really the end of the world and i'm going to connect it to speaking because people are very much afraid of speaking even a normal yeah. conversation, they're afraid of making mistakes. So I think the same attitude should be applied as well. Don't think about what, how you come across or like how perfect your English is. Really think about the experience and telling them something or making them think something or help them feel heard and or learn something about you, which is about the experience that they're uh, experiencing and less about the outcome of your language uh knowledge yeah right yeah. yeah yeah and and you know try not to be too self-conscious i mean it's it's easy to say because sometimes like yeah. feeling feeling uncomfortable socially it's not it's not a conscious thing it's just more like a physical thing that just happens to you you know it happens yeah. to me i mean i i'm i'm you know podcaster comedian guy but i am socially awkward too and in social situations i will feel nervous and it's really annoying it's just a really annoying thing it's like a physical reaction sometimes yeah. to being with other people so you know we've got all these mental ways of approaching it and changing our minds 
sometimes also it's a physical thing and it's a question of like you know like stretching out your body and trying to get a bit more relaxed and yeah. even doing things like doing exercise regularly and eating the right things those also help with with feelings of social anxiety and confidence yeah. and just like you know uh, getting healthy and sort of um the physical side of things so i don't know i would say um in terms of speaking skills and confidence and stuff yeah you've got to put it in in perspective and remember that everyone kind of feels the same everyone is in the same kind of situation even though it doesn't look like it other people feel nervous and uncomfortable too and that's what, again why i like to use humor because it sort of like breaks down those barriers and it kind of makes other people sometimes for me the way i like to feel more comfortable in a social situation is to make everyone else feel a bit more comfortable and to show them look i'm not judging you it's all right this is not such a serious situation and then once i've kind of done that then everything feels a bit a bit better it's a bit yeah. like sort of trying to control the, the room but in a good way in a good way. I so relate to this. This is exactly how I operate. I also just mm. uh, associate myself as like, uh, identify myself as an introvert. So it would be much easier for me to do this or speak to a 1000 people online, than to go yes. and uh, network around like in a group of 20 people that would really yeah. create stress. And I would feel like I need to kind of like breathe into that. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah, I, I I agree. I actually think I'm an introvert as well. I mean, people won't agree, but it sort of depends on your definition of an introvert. I've under, I've, I've, I understand it that introverts kind of get their energy from times when they're on their own and yeah. extroverts get their energy from being with other people and so those social situations. And this kind of relates to stand-up in a weird way, that people see a stand-up comedian and they think that person must be an extrovert weirdly and jerry seinfeld has said this too like stand-up comedians are weird because it's like if you look at a, a comedy room you've got all these people sitting in that direction and the comedian is the only one facing the other way you know and it's kind of a bit like as a comedian you what what you're doing is you kind of like okay everyone sit down there <laughs> and you know you kind of completely change all the social rules Whereas in a normal, as you said, in a networking situation, when you're all standing around with your coffee or your cocktail or whatever, that can be very awkward because there are so many complicated social rules that you've got to deal with and the interaction with the, all these people, everyone's on the same level. But in stand-up, you're basically kind of like, all right, you all sit down. Let's just mm -hmm. like completely change the rules here and I'll get, I can just speak to you all as one group and that's just much, somehow much easier to deal with yeah. than standing around dealing with the complex psychosocial cultural <laughs> dynamic of you know speaking like a normal person <laughs> yeah we should start a union i think i'm sure there is one we just need to join it uh yeah yeah that would be a good idea <laughs> <laughs> um all right luke so before we wrap up um first of all i think i have a lot more questions to ask you so for those of you watching if you want to follow up episode about this another interview then let us know in the comments so we can ask luke about his experience learning other languages um there is there are some things to talk about there and um uh, but before that what is one piece of advice that you would always give an english learner hmm uh, just keep going, actually. Mm. I mean, I could give lots of different specific things, but I would say 
keep going. So there will be times when you feel like you're not making any progress. There'll be times when you feel like you're getting it all wrong. Uh, there'll be times when you feel like you're never going to achieve the things you want to achieve. To an extent, learning a language, as I said before, it's just about time and practice. And keep going. Just don't stop. Even when, it, even when you feel like you're not getting anywhere, keep going. Because that breakthrough might be just around the corner. So just keep going. The five Ps, practice, 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 practice. The five Ms, motivation, 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 motivation. And the five Ls, listening, 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 listening. You know, just, just keep it up and try to enjoy it and uh, don't stop. That's my best advice. Just don't stop. Keep going. It'll get, you know, you'll get there in the end, regardless of what there is. In a way, there is no destination. Don't think of it as being a thing, an end point. Because all of us in communication, we're all learning. You know, even me in my first language, I'm still trying to learn how to get my point across efficiently and effectively. So it's a process, you know. So you just, we're all just enjoy the journey. It's about the journey, not the destination. Beautifully said. I agree 100%. Thank you so much, Luke. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, where can people find you? So maybe the best way is just to go to my website, uh, which is teacherluke.co.uk. Um, Very straightforward. That's basically the, that's, the, that's the best way. And you can find all the rest of the stuff there. Um, yeah, thank you for inviting me onto your channel. It's been really nice. And hello to all of your uh, listeners and viewers. Um, and yeah, lovely. Thank you. Great. We're also going to link uh, all the website and the podcast and the YouTube channel in the description below. So make sure you check it out and also go check out our interview on Luke's podcast and channel. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much, Luke. Thank you. All right, that's it. Thank you so much, Luke, for this wonderful conversation. And for all of you watching, let me know in the comments what was your favorite part about our conversation. And again, I'm inviting you to go and check out my interview with Luke on his channel. And I'm going to link to it in the description along with a link to his podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you so much for being here and have a beautiful, beautiful rest of the day. And I'll see you next week in the next video. Bye.